Hello and welcome to a special bonus edition of the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and I am here tonight with not one, not two, but three amazing special guest co-hosts for this bonus special episode of the podcast where we are individually and maybe collectively going to redesign a new Star Wars game from the ground up. But not really. So before we get too far into it, with me tonight is, first of all, the one of the biggest Star Wars fans I know, just in general, is Brad. So Brad, say hello to everyone. Hey, hey everybody. How are you? I'm doing great. You're talking to me. So you're a Star really Wars fan. So do you no. have any anecdotes? Like, did you name your kids Anakin? Uh, do you have any, like, tramp stamp Jedi tattoos? Anything that would really show your love <laughs> of Star Wars other than me saying it more times? No. <laughs> Perfect. No, no, I, 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 uh, I didn't want wish to scar my children for life. <laughs> so just not trust me, that. folks. He's a, not he's in really that way. That's right. Star Wars. That's, um... Um, next is I'm, I normally say my favorite co-host and yours, but since I got three, that's kind of a jerk move. So I'm going to say a favorite co-host and possibly yours, the Caleb G, G. Back on the mics again. Been a while, but love having you being a part of what we do here. Say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. I'm on the mics doing things. You are. Now, are you a Star Wars fan? Any anecdotes, tattoos? Uh, I am a Star Wars fan. I grew up playing Star Wars. Um, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, but I definitely had a friend who had his dad's old Star Wars figures mm -hmm. like from the original trilogy. And we played with those. Uh, I have Star Wars tattoos on my list to get. I just mm -hmm. haven't gotten them yet. Uh, had the last two years not happened, I definitely would have had them by now. But given the current state of the world, I didn't feel like getting a tattoo. Fair enough. And then finally, our third guest co-host for tonight is Chris. Chris is the game master for the longest running Star Wars actual play in history. Yep. Accolades and do the Wumba Wumba Ewok dance music there. Um, I assume you like Star Wars, but first of all, say hello to everyone and then tell us about how much you love Star Wars. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, Star Wars has been a huge part of my life. I might be a few years older than uh, Caleb over here. So I actually had the original toys. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to borrow my friend's dad's toys. <laughs> I, I, I thought the same thing, but I didn't say anything. I didn't want to call it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, you know, I grew up an only child and for a long time, it was just me and my mom before she got remarried. So all those action figures and the movies were kind of my escape from the world in a lot of ways. I set up many times, uh, good guys versus bad guys in my bedroom and would reenact, you know, the battle of Hoth or Endor and just have a good time with it. Uh, so much to the point where, you know, when my son was old enough, I started making him watch the movies. And then realized three is not old enough to understand Star Wars quite mm. yet. So I should have waited a few more years. So maybe a little scarring was happened there. But, um, you know, Star Wars is it's such an icon in not just my life, but the world. You know, so many people have enjoyed the stories and everything else that it's just something that I just keep going back to. All right. Fair enough. Um, as for me, I've told this story on the podcast before. And I know I've told it, on, told it on Farm to Fable, 
But when episode seven came out, The Force Awakens, it was on the same night as my kids' Christmas pageant. And I chose to go see Star Wars on opening night. And my wife still gives me crap over this. Every now and then she'll just get mad at me for no reason. I'm like, what's wrong with you? She was like, you missed our kids' Christmas pageant. I'm like, they were so young. I think they were like maybe four or five, maybe six, six, five at this point because they're a year apart. They don't remember it at all. And it's their fault for putting it on the night of Star Wars. I mean, that was just dumb on their part, right? I mean, the school should have vetted. They absolutely should have. My sorry, my ass. Uh, But I don't regret it. (laughs) Despite the fact that we still get into arguments about it all the time, uh, I grew up. I had VHS <laughs> copies. Like I recorded them off TV that I would watch endlessly. Uh, my friends and I would we used to sit around and like try to move shit with our mind. I, mean, I think like a lot of kids that did that, but like, we were really into it. Never actually worked. I still contend though that maybe we were all trying to pull the same object different ways, and therefore we cancel each other out. So maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Star Wars is a big deal to me. I absolutely love it. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this. So what happened is there was a report that came out that Edge Studios was going to be recreating a new Star Wars RPG now that they kind of have the license and they're working with Fantasy Flight. And I, I don't quite understand all the ins and outs of it, but it was it was corrected just a couple days later that they're not actually rebuilding a brand new game. They're just going to be coming out with a new line of like supplement type of stuff that the old game isn't actually going away. There might be some tweaks, whatever, but they're not going to rebuild it. But before we knew this, there was a period of time on our discord where we were throwing some stuff back and forth, talking about like, you know, what it is to have a Star Wars game and what they might do and that kind of thing. And that's what got this started this conversation. We just thought it would be fun for us to talk a little bit about what we would do if we were put in charge of a studio that was about to design a new Star Wars game, even though there's not one right now. But if there is, we're the ones you want to call. So I'm actually, I'm going to go back in the, in the reverse order that we did the introduction. I'm going to start with Chris first. So my first big question for you as someone who can run Star Wars regularly, mm-hmm. what makes a Star Wars game a Star Wars game? Like what elements do you think are fundamental to a role-playing game being considered Star Wars? Obviously the force has to be a big part of it and you have to have the light and the dark and you have to have very set morals for the Jedi and I guess no morals for the Sith. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't say no morals, but yeah, more of a selfish morality than anything else. Uh, you also have to really paint the picture of the different uh, species. And one of the most important parts that I always joke about, each world, except one, has one ecosystem for the <laughs> entire planet. Yep. Yep. Keep it simple. Don't get complicated. And then throw in some sort of political argument that they're all having. It doesn't have to be major. It could be something simple. But just have some sort of politics in the background and then throw your players into it. See what they do. Um, I also say keep the technology, I mean, obviously make it feel like Star Wars with the blasters and the lightsabers, but don't get real creative because Star Wars had it pretty simple. Armor really doesn't do any good. (laughs) Not at all, no. Nope. Looks good, but it doesn't work well. Uh, Also keep in mind that most combats should be pretty quick, in my opinion, in Star Wars RPG because stormtroopers fall down every time they get scratched, but then the big bad guys have to stay around forever. And let them escape, let them come back, let them escape, let them come back. Like have a reoccurring kind of pain. 
I think that's kind of important. Okay. So this is a topic question for the others. We might diverge a little bit, but I don't think any of us would necessarily disagree with anything Chris already said. So Caleb, I'll go to you next. Is there anything that you would either tweak on what he said or add to, again, if you, what makes Star Wars game a Star Wars game to you? So I was thinking about this one a lot because you know when you're in a Star Wars story, but sometimes it's hard to define. Uh, in, in the words of friend of the show, Matt Parody, a Star Wars game has to have a lightsaber for it to be a Star Wars story. I don't necessarily agree with him, and we have argued about that for a long time. Uh, I will pretty much agree with Chris. I, for me, Star Wars is about the setting. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is high fantasy genre set in a sci-fi box to me. So the the tropes of the stories are all the things we kind of deal with all the time, especially in this tabletop gaming world. So to make it specifically Star Wars, to slap that brand and flavor on it, it's the details of the planets, the details of the technology, uh, the background setting, whether we are in that, like what time frame of, of the Star Wars timeline we're in, if we're in the Rebellion era, if we're in the old High Republic era. It's, it's really just about like the flavor and the tone. If, it, if I'm watching a movie, it's about the music, it's about the costuming, it's about the effects. If I'm telling that story, it's about what we're doing to kind of invoke that feeling at the table or in the written word. Mm-hmm. All right. So Brad, we'll go to you again. Anything you would want to tweak or add to what Chris and Caleb have already said? Screen wipes. <laughs> there it is. is. Star swipes. Yep. Yep. Star swipes and uh, giant blocks of floating text through space <laughs> that starships can occasionally crash into. So, um, yeah, no, I think you guys nailed it. Uh, those, those are, you know, the core things of, of Star Wars. And I think it's funny that we all grew up with Star Wars, even though we're not mm-hmm. all the same age. We, we all grew up. Star Wars is such a huge part of the cultural zeitgeist. It's such a huge part of who we are as gamers and storytellers. We just know Star Wars. It's, we can't always define it, though. Mm-hmm. We, we yeah. can't always say these are the three things that make a Star Wars we're so invested in star Wars. We know so much about it. It's just, it's star Wars. Right. It is, but yeah, it just is. Yeah. And again, I think Chris <laughs> kind of touched on this, but I just, for me, the only thing I would probably expound on is the story should be simple. You have good guys and you have bad guys mm-hmm. and it's very clear who is who. So there's not a lot of morally ambiguousness there, but individual characters can be full of that you know, conflict on which side they might belong to, but you've always got a good, bad, good guy and a bad guy, even if your character is swimming in the middle. Um, so that's probably the only thing else I would like touch on that you guys haven't already said. So now we're going to, Oh, sorry, Chris, you have something. I, I was gonna say, I think a lot of it too. And this popped in my head as, as you guys were talking is throwing in a good moral, moral dilemma for the characters and then pulling them in both directions in that moral dilemma using kind of the politics of the different planets and the different species. I think that's something that I try to do a lot, but I also keep that moral dilemma pretty simple. Hmm. I'm not going to make it too in-depth because 
I don't want people to overthink it or make it more complicated for me as the GM. Right. I mean, do you kill a temple full of children Jedi? Sure. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, what's the end goal? Do you kill even, all, the, all the sand people, women and children? Even in, even in the High Republic that that we're in right now that this whole new relaunch of like these new stories the high republic era the stories are still even though they're very wide in breadth they're still very simple at its core absolutely we're we're seeing a really awesome marketing technique of telling multiple stories that overlap with characters we're seeing stories in books and comics and audiobooks and overlap 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 like these vignettes are all kind of building but yeah if you take each individual story it's very much i'm gonna go do this thing and see what happens along the way hmm. it, it's not a complicated weighty task or quest that they are sent on and yet we constantly see that clash of morals, the clash of ends and means and, and what's actually the right thing to do. There's, there's always the hero's journey mixed in with it. Yeah. Okay. So now is where we get to play a little bit of a mastermind here. Cause we are each going to take a turn through a couple different questions about what we might do to try to build our own version of a Star Wars game. Now, we're not actually designing a game. So if one of your topics is, I would use mechanics to give the Jedi, blah, blah, blah. I don't expect you to actually have like a new dice mechanic or card mechanic that you can describe. But if you just want to say, you know, the mechanics would enforce or the mechanics would whatever, that's totally fair. Probably won't win the contest that we're not actually having because it's you know, bunk, but that's all I ever do. So who am I to argue? Uh, so now I'm going to start with Caleb. So what would you do to make your game fit everything we've talked about? Like, is there anything about your game that you would do to, to kind of make sure that your game of Star Wars hits all those things that we did? So I think one of the things I would want to do would be really solidify where my game lives in this universe of Star Wars. And by that, I mean really give a lot of background data and background facts and setting facts. I don't want to overload a player with too much information because that I don't think makes for a fun game. But I want to give players the opportunity to really feel like they are part of this galaxy. So I want to give them a lot of resources for, you know, what's on this planet, you know, what's on the other planet over there. As a player, I always feel a little bit unconfident when I know I'm in an established universe, mm -hmm. but I don't know that universe like a character I'm portraying would. And said a few minutes ago, we all know Star Wars a lot, but Star Wars stories have been around for a really long time. And there's a lot of facts out there that not everybody knows. Me personally, I'm dumb. I don't know a lot of Star Wars nerdy facts. So I tend to rely on the big ones. So I would want my players to really feel comfortable saying, oh yeah, I'm from this planet. I know this merchant. I know this smuggler. I know this fixer. I know it takes X resources to go to this planet and that's where I do my job. 
I want them to not just say, well, I'm making a smuggler and he flies a ship around. I really want them to know this is my place. This is my niche in the world. Okay. Is there anything, again, this is all high level, but do you have any idea like how you would accomplish that in your game? Um, you know, like backgrounds for all the, the classes that come with those details, like you pick and choose, like I'm a smuggler. So you're either from this planet or this planet or this planet or this ship, this ship, so that you make it easy for people, even if they're new to have those details or how else do you think you might do that? So I think it would be very much kind of like a, a choose your own adventure character generation world generation style like that we don't we don't want to we don't want to fall into the paralysis of choice and i don't want to hinder people from just jumping in feet first so i would kind of make it a give me some broad strokes what you want to be do you want to be a smuggler do you want to be a pilot do you want to be a brawler and that would then be like that branching flow chart with some some choices to help pick an uh pick and choose the details that you really, really like. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Brad, what about you? So just kind of, um, I guess to sum up what, if I understand what you're saying, Caleb, it sounds like you want to lean in to have a very strong session zero and a Ding. very, a very deep. Yeah. Everyone take a drink. Everyone yes. take a drink. I, yes. I foresaw this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I think that session zero is key. That's kind of a theme we all share (laughs) sitting around this table. Um, I also think that it's more than just that introductory session of kicking off the game. I think it's a lot of that prep work coming into the the game and deciding who you want to play and how the story is going to be developed. But I also think a lot of those facts and figures are revealed as the game goes on it's like a living session zero document almost that develops as you are playing the game so maybe this choose your own adventure flowchart we all pick our characters and then we start kind of building how we know each other the planet we're on and we're fleshing in and adding these details so we always have this great reference tool that i as the gm can drop in more facts you as the players can add to branch off of learn from and it's always right there it's almost like an integrated uh, wiki uh program yeah but it, a campaign but it also, holocron oh yeah hey there you go i like that that's branding um <laughs> but it also like fills in a lot of the stuff that you're not consciously choosing if we were just theorizing here like if i'm saying i'm a smuggler from coruscant this holocron wiki is going to automatically fill in the details that my character should know about Coruscant. Like, oh, this is the part of the city you grew up in. These are probably the restaurants you went to. I bet you know this guy who did this thing. Like, giving us those types of living details to make me really feel like I know my character. All right. So, Brad? Very nice. So, the one... I, I love running and, and playing in Star Wars games, but but the one thing I always run into when playing in any type of in, in any of the you know the classic explored periods like you know your OT Rebellion era um, is 
is making player characters feel like they're the heroes of the adventure without putting them in situations where you constantly have to keep them on the rails from interrupting, you know, large plot things. Um, so typically when, when I do something like this, I run an infinities campaign where I'll pick a detail, you know, years before in star Wars history or whatever. And, um, infinities was a comic series that, that it was a star Wars comic series where they, they literally, they changed one detail somewhere and they, you know, kind of saw how it played out. Oh, um, kind of like what it, if? Exactly. Okay. It's kind of like a, what if exactly. Um, so that way, my player characters, I, I don't have to feel constrained by, you know, the large plot points in the universe. Because um, I play with a bunch of chaos engines. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> they, they, they've literally killed Yoda before, so. <laughs> <laughs> he had it coming. Uh, indirectly. I mean, you know. But it was it was it was bad. So, um, but I, I, that's what I mean. That's what I prefer to do is that that way it lets them have the freedom to to operate in the Star Wars universe without um, having you know they don't. I don't. You know, if they if they bump into a person named Luke Skywalker, I don't feel like I necessarily have to be constrained by you know, everything that's previously been written about mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker, particularly because the other people in my gaming group are very knowledgeable Star mm-hmm. Wars people and I'll inevitably have someone go, well, actually mm-hmm. Luke was here during this time and you know, so. So, you're... so it's like you don't want plot armor for the NPCs in a way. Like if they exactly. kill Luke Skywalker, that doesn't mean the Death Star won't get blown up. It might get blown up by somebody else type of a thing. Right. Yeah, you're you're reminding players to <clears throat> use the the structure of the established stories in a new way. Break it down into building blocks and remake it into your own version. Yes, I think that's that's a fair a fair way to say it. Um, and yes, I mean, when, when, like for the one campaign I ran, the Clone Wars played out vastly differently due to choices that, you know, the in, in influences that the player care the player characters had. I mean the the Empire still rose to power, but you know, things drastically went differently. You know, it, it was in that same campaign, you know, to wind up wound up dying. So, you know, that, that has huge implications on the story going forward. So all right. Uh, so as for me because uh, on my screen, we're all in order. I'm just basically making like a little spiral. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit outside the box and do something that I probably would not like if I was the player. I'm going to do random character generation so that it really helps build almost like a chaos type of world. You're going to have a mixture of all these different uh, species, a different mixture of all these different you know character type classes. And included in that is Jedi. You do not choose to be a Jedi you may roll that you are a Jedi power on there and no one starts as a Jedi, you will start the game. And if you have that potential, it will come out in the game. So that's probably the thing that I would do to make it feel Star Wars in 
Um, just, I think random character generation is actually kind of fun. Um, so, and you can always have the option just to say, we're not going to do that. We're going to pick, but by making that the default option, hopefully some people will try it and they'll have these very interesting and, in, you know, diverse types of characters and classes. And then if someone gets Jedi, it feels special. Like it used to feel special to be able to be a paladin in like first edition. If you actually rolled those dice and got the stats and you were able to be a paladin, it was like a big freaking deal. And, uh, mm-hmm. as much as I love player choice, there is still something about that that's kind of nice so that's my thought chris what would you do first thing i would do is make sure that when you do character creation that jedi is not the most powerful Mm. it's okay in my opinion to tell a story that the end that all the pcs are non-force users and still have the same impact a jedi would have right now every system if you put your average smuggler who's really good at flying a ship and then a Jedi jumps in there uses his force powers. He's 10 times the pilot. The smuggler is even though as a PC, you've probably spent a ton of time building up his piloting skills, but the Jedi just uses the force and outdoes him. I think that takes away from some of the, the PC's abilities and some of the player's choices. So I would want to throw some mechanics in there that allow people to tell a story that doesn't have the force in it. I think that's also kind of super neat. fundamental to the Star Wars stories that mm-hmm. normal people are super important to these massive galaxy changing events. Absolutely. Unfortunately, the most role playing systems still have the Jedi being uber powerful over them. And I get it. They're supposed to be special. They're supposed to be different. But I think you still need a, a way of balancing that out so players can definitely play what they really want to play. And now what the system kind of forces them to in a way. So the next question we're going to tackle is how would you handle Jedi? So you may want to save mm-hmm. some of this for that question it, or just maybe that's actually the next question. So if you just want to combine both of your answers together and then you'll start the next cycle. Sure. Uh, again, the Jedi, they're very powerful. Uh, I like some of the systems for kind of balancing that out. I would definitely make the moral uh, ramifications of your actions have much more impact than what most systems have now. Most systems is just a random roll of the dice to see, do you go up or down in morality? I think the GM should absolutely be able to you know, look at you and say, hey, you just slapped that person to get the information. That's one step closer to the dark side. It shouldn't just be, well, I roll the dice and, oh, I didn't gain any dark side you know, abilities or influence. I think that there should definitely be mechanics in there to help regulate the Jedi from not just going out of control and just using the old PC excuse or player excuse of, well, the ends justify the means. There's got to be those repercussions in there because I've seen too many players just go off and do whatever they want as Jedi and feel like there's no real repercussions. That'd be the first thing I would do. And then second thing, I think I would make the force a little, I guess, less descriptive in the mechanics and leave it more up to the players to describe how it works. A good example is a Jedi can fall from hundreds of feet and land. What mechanic is that? Is that I'm using my ability to move things away or is it my athletics or what? I would rather have something in there where the players can just describe how they can land gently. You describe, you know, whatever you want to come up with. I guess Caleb, you're next. Yeah. yeah. So, so now we're, we're moving specifically into the, how do you handle Jedi? Cause that is, one of, if not the biggest problem or issue or concern mm-hmm. that you have with a Star Wars game is how do you make Jedi fun to play 
and that you feel like you're a Jedi when you're the player playing the Jedi, but everyone else isn't just like the hangers on, you know, it's not the Jedi and the doofus five. So how do you make everyone at the table feel like they're all part of the story and they're all equally important when you have someone that can bend reality around their will? I mean, it's very similar to like the old wizard, you know, you know, at 10th level and first edition, they're so powerful that they don't need a party anymore. So do you have any ideas on that, Caleb, how you would handle Jedi in your game so they don't feel overpowered, but yet they're still really fun to play? So this is a really tough one. Um, at, if we break everything down, I want Jedi powers to mostly be narrative, like Chris said. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like level-based mechanics a lot anymore. Um, I I played a lot of the old D20 version of Star Wars back when we were in that 3.5 era, moving towards 4th edition in D&D. And Star Wars was like the the testing grounds for a lot of this developmental mm-hmm. stuff. I was always really frustrated with the the skill checks and using HP to fuel force powers. It didn't feel fun to me. But I want there to be some sort of cost to using the powers, whether it's that moral cost or whether it's like a, a cost on my resources as a character. So I kind of would like to almost have like levels of power and like, okay, you're, you're, you're one to five is your force power. And when you're at a three, you can kind of do all of this stuff and there's no real cost. Like you can shove people and you can throw your lightsaber and you can do the mind trick. And if you do, a big thing i'm using air quotes here podcast listeners and that's the narrative part of it if you do a big thing if you jump off the jedi temple on coruscant and and don't die that uses like a a whole level of your power and then you can still do stuff but now it's decreased a little bit like yeah you can still force push somebody but you don't push them as far you can definitely do the mind trick but it's probably not going to work as good. But I, I don't really know of like a solid dice mechanic, card mechanic. I don't know of something that feels right to me to make it cool. But I also think that's kind of how you could use uh, something very similar for the average Joe character. Like as a pilot, your pilot skill kind of has these ranks and when you're at a certain level it's not a check it's just yeah you can fly in and out of asteroids all day long you're an awesome pilot you can dodge the the fighters that are chasing you you're an awesome pilot but as soon as you quote expend a massive amount oh yeah you 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 found the asteroid that had the space worm in it to dive into it to hide and you completely negated the combat like that used a big chunk of your resource so now the next time you do something you're not quite as good because you used up some luck or you're a little bit worn out mm-hmm. that kind of thing so okay almost like a pool of willpower that as you use it it just drains that willpower yeah 
but it's not necessarily like a one-to-one cost. Like I've got this pool of willpower. It does. I'm not saying I spend two to do a force jump and I spend six to do a mind trick. It's like, all right, when I'm at halfway full, I can do all these things and I'm not necessarily rolling or spending a resource unless I do a big thing. Like, yeah, it's like I could give you 10, let's just use poker chips as an example. That's easy visual for me. Sure. You're full powered. You can do basic things. Now you want to force leap off the the temple. I could say, okay, that's going to cost you three, three of your, your chips for now. So now you can only do up to like level seven, for example, abilities. Yeah. And, and maybe as we're telling the story together, we kind of argue a little bit and, and negotiate, well, I've got these skills. I grew up in the circus. I, I'm a really good acrobat. Maybe that lessens that spend. You charge me a little bit so I can try to hold some resources. And I think that could also then work for pilots, smugglers, soldiers. I think you could very easily translate that. So everybody can do that very similar mechanical structure to their narrative freedom. Right. I get it. That makes sense. All right. All right, Brad, what about you? How are we handling Jedi in your game? Jedi, I think, need to be... <clears throat> I, I, I like this this idea that, that was kind of discussed about um, a poll. Um, I... I Conversely, back in the the uh, what the uh, Watsi D twenty games, I kind of actually liked that they used vitality um, for which was you know the you, in in that game you had you know wound points and vitality and, and vitality was more like brushing off you know bumps and scrapes, whereas a wound was okay now I'm really bleeding, um, and it was in in a lot of the things you you read and, and you see even from let, let's take. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back, right? Luke's trying to lift the X-Wing out of the swamp on Dagobah, and it's physically tiring for him to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, using the, and, and even in a lot of the a lot of the the books and stuff, it talks about how, you know, uh, physically draining it is to to channel the force, particularly for for large large expenditures. So I, I think I think something like that would would really um, would work uh but i think jedi also need to have you you need to really assuming you're playing in like a classic republic period you really need to the gm really needs to lean on to you are a jedi you have responsibilities you have you have duty you have obligations to the republic you know to to the order itself you know you can't just go off and expect that there won't be repercussions um you know you can't murder the sand people without there being problems um or (laughs) you know rob the uh the guy blind on the street or whatever Mm -hmm. um and so i I think there's definitely some some gm in, in in story factors that really would have to be crafted to kind of control or not, not not control, but establish some, some guide rails. Um, yeah, I don't want to control the, the player's actions, but you, you don't want to have it 
you, you don't want them to at the same know, time go though, off the rails. They've chosen to be a Jedi. They've chosen mm-hmm. as a player that they're going to follow the Jedi code. Mm-hmm. So they they need to follow that code. Otherwise, agree. you lose some of that Star Wars feeling. You know, that's mm-hmm. why the Jedi fall to the dark side, because in the stories, they couldn't follow the code. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think that would probably be a big thing what we would need to put in this you know, game we're making is really explaining the Jedi code really laying it out in detail of what the players should expect and what the GM should expect. And then mm-hmm. if they don't want to follow the code, cool. Try to be a Sith, try to be a gray Jedi or a Potentium or whatever other thing you want to pull out of some other random book. But I definitely think that following the code is something that most games don't do well. Agreed. Yeah. Can, can, can I point out something that, that's just always been one of my RPG Star Wars pet peeves. Sure. Sure. It, it it's Star Wars isn't about the gear. You know? It's not about looting, you know, I it's not about the loot. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the none of the none of the OT characters ever looted. Well, okay, that's not true. Most of them didn't. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean uh, <laughs> They borrowed some stormtrooper costumes. That's that's about you know maybe the extent. Maybe they totally had their own signature weapons and they had their signature ship. They weren't constantly upgrading, uh, picking up exactly. a new blaster. They have their blaster and they have their bowcaster mm-hmm. and they have, again their lightsaber. They didn't like, oh cool, take yours now. Like that's not how it works. So completely agree with you. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I just um, want to get that out there because it always it always just kind of grates at me when <laughs> when I'm when I'm running a game and the like the place. Oh, what's he got on him? <laughs> this isn't D Yeah. <laughs> So as I, as I said, in my game, you don't choose to be a Jedi. So if you happen to roll that in the random charts, then you're going to begin as a force user. And the way I imagine this happening is um, you basically have an additional skill that will be like force manipulation. And then you have all your other skills. So let's say you're trying to, you know, uh, acrobatics your way off of a cliff and you roll and you fail. You can then borrow from your force manipulation to up that high enough to pass so basically you're enhancing your already established abilities just by a little bit so you're not using your force power to jump you're using athletics to jump but if you don't do well you can you can do that but anytime you do that you're gonna have to roll a die probably gonna be a d12 and if you roll really high like maybe nine plus worst die ever what's that the worst die ever best die that's yeah um then you basically have expended more than you in meant to and there's a chance that it will be noticed you know like someone out there is going to like wow that was someone somewhere nearby just used the force and it could be the sith it could be a jedi and eventually you're going to get approached by someone to either become a padawan get training or be told you can't do this anymore or whatever the case may be so it's going to come kind of be like an organic part of the story that eventually you will get that training and then you will then become a jedi and the story will have to shift a little bit for that uh once you become a jedi i'm gonna go to kotor because it's still one of the best games i've ever played in you know ever and there's gonna be basically three types of jedi the ones that focus on lightsabers ones that focus on like charisma persuasion type stuff and one that focuses on force powers 
you're going to have a couple very limited powers within those. If you focus on lightsaber, you're just going to be really, really good at fighting with a lightsaber, but you're not going to be doing a whole bunch of other stuff. That's your specialty. That's how you're going to feel like a Jedi because you will be better with a lightsaber than anybody else, even probably other Jedi. Uh, so that's how I'm going to make you feel special. And then to kind of combine to the next two, all my battles are going to be cinematic. There's not going to be tactical battles. I don't think Star Wars is a tactical game. Everything happens because it needs to for the plot. So it's the type of thing where if you want to like force throw three stormtroopers off the ledge and throw your lightsaber and take out four more and then, you know, close the bay doors with your mind powers, that's great. All of that happened. But did it actually help you? That's what the dice are going to tell me. Because maybe you did all that, but it doesn't matter because there's so many other stormtroopers. The guys over here that are using the Gatling gun or whatever those, you know, the, the Star Wars games, they're mowing down stormtroopers like crazy. Great. You kill 37. Roll the dice. Mm, didn't help you. The battle is still just as bad off as it was. Or no, you rolled really well. Yeah, the, they can't get through the blast doors that the Jedi just closed. So I'm going to have very loosey-goosey cinematic type fights, both um, in land and then in space, so that Jedis are not going to feel like they overshadow because they're going to do all the cool Jedi stuff, but you're going to do all the cool other stuff. And all that matters is the dice are going to tell us or whatever mechanic we use on whether you're actually getting closer to beating this battle or not. Not one individual check is going to do that. All right. Uh, did everyone tackle that question? I've got myself lost. I had a pr mm -hmm. process and then I've lost it already. So did everyone tackle that one? Yeah. Quick question for you, though. Yeah. yeah. In your random rolling, could you roll and not tell the players who's actually gotten force abilities and just surprise them? Um, maybe. I don't know. Like, that might be, like, the first time. Like, if I know that you're playing the Jedi character, I may have you, like, make an athletics check and you, you fail and be like, okay, you succeed. And then just not tell you. Uh, and until it starts to develop. That could be a fun thing. I don't know, maybe, but as a player, would you want that? Would you want the DM to sort would. of, you would or wouldn't? Oh, I think, I think it'd be fun. Oh, okay. In your example, I'm falling, I roll it, I, ah, oh, crap. Austin, you're, you know, as a GM, you go, as you just about hit the ground, all of a sudden you stop momentarily and you fall softly to the ground. All right, you know, Caleb, your character, roll your die. And I'm mm -hmm. like, hold on, wait, how did I just stop? And you're like, you don't know. You have to figure it out. Because now, well, the, it's, is, is it me? Did Caleb's character do it? Did well, Brad's that's what I said. The thing by interesting about that is you could do the switcheroo where Caleb's character is actually one with force powers. Like if your right. background, you're really close. It's kind of like in the, well, I don't want to spoil it. There's a book where you think one thing is happening. It turns out it's a different character yeah. who's manipulating things because they care about this character so much. Um, so hopefully I didn't give that away. But yeah, so that, that would be kind of an interesting way to do it. Because so, if you're playing Star Wars and you fail an athletics check and you float to the ground, Obviously, it's you know it's force, right. but you could still say, well, but who's the one using it? That could be fun. Yeah, that's just something that popped yeah. in my head. Yeah, uh, I, so I think that would be awesome if, if we were playing, not necessarily a low level campaign, but like a you're not galaxy saviors, you're schmucks on a planet somewhere. <laughs> I think it would be really fun to randomly develop these types of abilities. That mm -hmm. would be cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take the space battles first, since I've already kind of touched on that. Um, so basically, again, space battles are going to be handled like the other battles are going to be very cinematic. Uh, but the way I think I would get away from the, this is the pilot's thing, they're supposed to be best at it, is everybody's going to have a job. So you're going to have one person who's piloting the ship, one person who's 
on the gunner, one person who's probably trying to do like space navigation, one person who's trying to like make sure the shields are powered correctly. I don't know all the roles, but everybody at the table is going to have a role of some sort. The pilot is going to have a piloting check that they roll uh, separately that gives them a pool of resource points, kind of like we were talking earlier with the force points, that they can then dole out to everyone else as if what they're doing is helpful. So the person who's manning the shields, they don't quite get there. The pilots say, okay, you can take four of my points because the way I fly the ship, they hit the place where the shields are, not the place where they're not. The gunner doesn't quite hit enough targets. Nope, I'm going to use four of my points. So now you actually do get lined up perfectly and you do take out three of the TIE fighters. So that's how the pilot's going to still feel like they're the most important person at the table because they're going to be helping everyone else be successful when they do their thing. So they can, you know, again, they can narrate while the cool stuff they're doing, that's all cinematic. It doesn't matter, but they're going to generate resource points with their skill check to give everybody else to make sure they are successful or potentially not, uh, as the battle continues. So that's what I thought would be fun. So we'll reverse order here. So Brad, what do you think you could do in a space battle? Uh, cause that's another thing that sometimes in any game, not just star Wars, but any space type game, it can sometimes not be fun for the non-pilot players or the pilot players don't feel like they're really, you know, like, why do I put all these points in piloting when we're always shooting guns and I don't, I'm not good at that or I'm not good at persuading the, the, you know, the smuggler guy to give me the good. So what do you think you could do there? Your skill at piloting I definitely has to be important. <laughs> you know, you're in a space battle. Um, I, I kind of really liked the way that, uh, that D6 star, the, you know, D6 second edition handled it where literally your pilot skill set your defense so it actually mattered you know your skill actually really mattered how good of a pilot you were how difficult you were to hit and there were other things that it didn't maybe necessarily do great but i i, I don't know i kind of thought that was so it was at a baseline like if my skill is a six that meant a certain thing or did i roll it each no round? you actually rolled okay. you actually rolled your your skill pool to to you know set your defense it was modified by maneuverability and stuff mm-hmm. like that that's but um yeah i i think so i can say from from experience running star trek games where you have somebody people at stations and that's their job and that's all they do that kind of sucks mm. at times like if you're the science officer uh you're you're gonna space navigate well, we're not really space navigating here. Um, we're in a big open field, you know, or there's not a lot of sciencey stuff here to do. I can't really, you know, help a lot. Um, that it's not that's not necessarily as it, it definitely can. I mean, leave you feeling left out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would take a lot of help from the other players um, and and GM involvement to really to really ensure that each person has an area in, in said encounter that they could, that they could shine. Um, you know, I mean, uh, unless you had like, okay, Hey, we can have maybe multiple gunners or, or something. Yeah. Like and that would be my or, first thought is that like, you know, if you have six players at the table, your ship has three guns, uh, a piloting mm-hmm. chair and, you know, or co- maybe you have a co-pilot who could both generate points in my version, not just yours. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. that would be, yeah, I definitely think a science officer would suck in a Star Wars game, but I don't, I've never seen a science officer in a Star Wars game. It's usually gunner and, and pilot. So I just, yeah, we have seven guns on this ship for some reason. So everybody, everyone grab a gun. Yeah, I know. I, I just, 
that's the only other experience I have with necessarily something being, you know, hard, tight, hard like that. Um, anyway, um, movement's really important. Your, okay. your battles in general, and not only just the space battle, but your land battles need to move. Your location has to change during the fight. It has to, it has to evolve. Like pick any, any star Wars battle. Oh, let's take rogue one, right? Rogue one. The battle started outside of Scarif, um, outside of the the large shield generation. Has everyone seen Rogue One on, on here? I have. Okay. Potential so, spoilers for Rogue One for a movie that's like twelve years old and yeah, pretty good, so you should have seen it. Yeah, one of the one of the best cinematic dogfights ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, it, the battle started outside in this in the you know space above Scarif. Um, they got through the shield generate. You know they, they got through the they deactivated the shield that was protecting the you know the planetary shield they got inside then their objective changed and the battle continued it wasn't all like on a tactical combat map where okay we're gonna stay in these you know same five by five squares as we dog fight you know quote unquote it they moved around the station and and and, and they weren't penalized for doing so the 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 the, the system they lived in actually helped them do that um, you know, every every lightsaber duel moves in its location. It's not, you know, you don't form the Congo line of death like you might have in a, you know, a D and D game where everyone stays in their, you know, five by five squares lined up perfectly with flanking. They move. You know, your your location of the duel changes. And I think that's 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 one of the really important aspects to getting a cinematic combat for for Star Wars. Okay. All right, Caleb. Sorry, that think... was really long and. No, no. It's it's almost like you were, it's like a metaphor for the space battle. It went a lot of different places. It took us it on a did. journey, but at the end it was satisfying. <laughs> uh, so, Kayla, anything you would add to that or any, any new things you want to bring for how you might handle a space battles in your game? So, I definitely agree that being narrative and not locked into tactical, I move three squares and I trigger this ability to charge your shield that just doesn't feel like star wars i think i'm sure we could find an era of star wars that is very much dogfight starfighters versus starfighters where that would work but that's probably not where we're going to be living telling a lot of these stories right those are those I, games there's an x-wing miniatures game that probably yeah. does that great but i'm not going to role play that and i'm not going to do that in a role play game so i, I think right. again not to be flippant but my advice is we'll play the game you want to play and if you want to play that great but that's probably not this game. Right. I really like your idea of how the pilot kind of generates that pool to influence other things. I think that's really cool. Um, I love what you're saying, Brad, about kind of embracing changing scenes and having that be part of the narrative. Um, I think it would be really easy to just have like a, okay, narrate what you do and then roll to see if it moves the scene forward. Very wushu. Mm. I think it it's there's enough structure, but there's also enough lack of structure to not restrict what players do. Um, I really enjoy mechanically a roll under system right now. So I'm trying to think how we could probably use that in something like this. So maybe it could be everyone on a ship has a few points that they can spend to do things. 
But instead of like spending a point to do something, you're pushing that point into like the defense or the, the piloting or the gunnery, something like that to increase that number. So when the pilot has to roll under that number then becomes higher. So everybody can kind of define, well, I'm going to run over here and do this with the guns and I'm going to angle the deflectors and I'm going to use these scanners. I'm going to be over here in the guts of the ship, ripping out the so-and-so condenser and replacing it. Well, I'm arguing with the droids and trying to rebuild the nav computer and they're kind of investing their points into let's call it a defense check or an attack check so that when the pilot eventually makes that, the more people that have invested it, the easier it is to roll under. And maybe whatever you're fighting, the enemies, the environment, the, the space storm, <laughs> whatever we're trying to deal with, that would then like lower that number or set the original number. Okay, the asteroid field, that's a, that's a five. And that's really hard to roll under on a D20. But if two people each dump two points into it, now we're up to a nine. And then the pilot invests a little bit, maybe we're up to a 13 now, like that kind of thing. Kind of feels a little bit like Cypher system. Not as like, but where it's like a group sort of check in a way. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah. uh, well, because I have a skill in this, I'm an expert in this. Instead of getting, you know, a 12, I now I have, I can get under a 15. Um I do like that quite a lot. I, in fact, I kind of like the three of us so far combined where like my, if my piloting rank is a five, that means our defense is a five. That means our attack is like, it, it means something. I still get to roll as a pilot and help you, you know, do things with your scores. Um, so it's sort of like a combination of those two. So if I'm, it's like the opposite of it, but I do really like the idea of taking Brad and mine and combine or yours and Brad and combine them. Yeah. All right, Chris, what about you, sir? How would you handle space battles? As someone who probably has had to maybe run a few, is there anything that you would do differently than, than the current game does that you would uh, maybe borrow from the, what the current game does? Do? Yeah, words. Well, there's a reason I don't run a lot of space combats because usually they're way too complicated. And I would really want to streamline a lot of that. If I was writing a game system, I would really help the players by writing some real descriptions on thinking in 3d because in most combat we can only think in two dimensions we're only thinking you know i move this way right this way forward one space you can get attacked from top bottom and all these different directions that's where i think players struggle to visualize it that's where gms sometimes struggle to explain well the tie fighter is really coming in on your port side from the bottom and he's coming in doing a barrel roll what are you going to do players go what's port side what does that mean so i would definitely want to put something in there for that i really like your guys's idea of just making it more cinematic i I was asked this question one time at a convention like i want to do this major battle as a gm with you know five you know star destroyers versus all these you know republic ships how do you do that and my response was but you don't (laughs) because what does that have to do with your players focus on what they're doing so if they're on a ship and they're attacking one of the star destroyers only focus on that and keep it simple don't focus on the whole battle who cares in this situation right what i suggested to him is the same thing i would suggest in this game whatever their pcs do the success or failure of their attack has an impact on the overall big battle 
So if they're successful, great, they win. If not, they lose. It's okay to lose because it's still failing forward. I would definitely put some concepts like that in it. I really like the idea of just putting it all into a pool and making it one roll. You've kind of sold me on that. I think you guys have got me uh, really thinking in that direction though. I think like if I was going to like help someone else, I would take Brad's description and say, imagine Rogue One, take the battle over Scarif, dogfight, get through the shields, land. Now you're in like the grill warfare. Then you do an infiltration and you no, know, then you get back up to the top and you have like the one-on-one duel. If your game can do that, then you've designed a good Star Wars game. Like that, that's basically yeah. all the, everything we said before can be wrapped into that. Can your game do that? Because if so, then it's a Star Wars game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. And so we have one last topic and this is our wild card. So everybody can bring in anything else they want. Uh, what you would bring into your game, what you would do with your game. I mean, you could even go like how you would market your game. I don't know. Uh, but the wild card topic of uh, the one thing, so everybody kind of has their own way to go here. Uh, so I'll start with you on this one, Chris. Is there any other sort of thing we haven't already touched on yet that you think would make your game the best Star Wars game if you included it or a, a mechanic, a technique, a top, whatever, go. I would let the players uh, dive into the dark side. I don't know any game that really lets you do that. You want to be, you know, I think somebody brought up uh, the Knights of the Old Republic. You want to be part of the Brotherhood of Darkness? Jump in. Let's work on your dark side powers. Let's go a darker version of Star Wars. We don't have to be the whole, we're here to save the galaxy. I want to be Palpatine. I want to rule the galaxy. But in a nice sort of way. Yeah, yeah, probably nicer (laughs) than he did, but... Whole lot less, so you, uh, you, you want a you want a velveted fist, exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's not an iron gauntlet. It, yeah, you know. I think that's one thing. I think a lot of Star Wars games don't do well because they want everybody wants to play the hero. Well, I should say everybody, but that's how they design it. That everybody mm-hmm. should want to play the hero. Well, I sometimes like a little darker game. So, would you say your game would be like specifically aimed at that, or it would just be able to handle that? It'd just be able to handle it. I know several systems have tried it. I know D&D's tried it several times. I don't know if anybody's done it real successful. But I think it'd be neat to just throw that in there. Because I do think from like a marketing standpoint, like Star Wars Dark, and this Mm -hmm. this is the game just for that, where it's like a completely different rule system for taking out Jedi, taking out, you know, innocent people, taking over planets and government. That kind of thing could be a lot of fun. I, I just have a hard time figuring out how you would do that in a the same game where you also do all the other stuff. I mean, maybe it's just a tone. It's like it's the same exact yeah. stuff. It's just good versus bad. But I don't know. I think, I think again, if I had all the money in the world and I had the control, I, I think I would say, okay, just make me that game um, in itself. But I don't know. People might disagree. Yeah. All right. So, Caleb, what about you? What's your wild card topic for your Star Wars game? I would want to include a lot of the very broad events. So the big events in the Senate, uh, controlling a squad of clone troopers or stormtroopers or piloting or, or not piloting, um, being the admiral of a fleet. Like, like most tabletop games are very much the personal experience. I'm, I'm the hero. I'm on this adventure. I'm doing a thing. It's it's really hard to deal with, okay, you're now controlling an army 
what do you do? And I think that would be really fun. I, I think there's a lot of uh, foundation in Star Wars stories of the Jedi uh, general <laughs> that is running around with clone troopers uh, or, or soldiers in general when Han Solo is running around with a bunch of soldiers on Endor. Like, what do you do to make that fun to still be in control as a character, as a player, but also have a larger sphere of influence? And I know there's a lot of tabletop games that try this to varying degrees of success, but I think that's something I would really like to include because it's very much the narrative, which we've been talking about a lot here, but it's also how you and your choices impact the narrative. Absolutely. That's interesting. All right. And Brad, what about you? Wildcard topic. So I think I've kind of, you know, thrown my wildcard topics everywhere else outside of this <laughs> session and this section here i should have looked at the uh, outline a little better um yeah i i don't have a, a maybe a, a particular wild card topic other than i guess kind of what we've okay that's discussed. totally fine um no one has mentioned droids yet so maybe take droids as your wild card how would you incorporate droids in the game would they just be a, a species character type or would they always every party gets one npc that you control using chris's a1 as a template yeah. Uh, you gotta have droids it's a requirement yeah. for star wars i, I mean, mean it is almost it should have been in the what makes star wars star wars we, that's we left true. out droids it should have been in there yeah we all failed there yeah um, i think part of the thing with star wars is they're always just seen as background scenery in a lot of ways or that's the fix-all tool that i need that i don't have in my tool belt oh here comes R2-D2, he can fix that. Or here comes C-3PO to translate that for us. I, I think that they are an important part. I do think that it's become more involved in the in the stories now that the droids have more of their own personalities. And building on those personalities, I think, is very important. Um, I highly encourage players to play droids. They're one of my favorite uh, species to play. Species, the right yeah, that's I what they call it, but yeah. they're not really a species. Yeah. But anyway, I, I almost feel like a droid, though. You could very easily have a droid Jedi situation where the droid, I mean, think of like you know, R2D2. R2 is the MVP of, of the original trilogy. Without R2D2, yeah. everyone's dead. So it's almost yeah. like he, it, they did more than anyone else. Um, so how do you have someone who plays a droid that either isn't overpowered or isn't fun to play? Uh, I haven't played enough Star Wars to to know if that really is a concern, but I'm just thinking about it. I could see that being an issue as well. It's like, I'm the droid, but I don't really do anything unless we're in this really specific situation. And then I am the most important character. So I kind of like that idea of just like every party gets one. It's like a resource. Like you have a a droid, you know, do you want to pour party resources into making them better so they can do more stuff to get them up to an R2 level? Uh, or do you start off with a C3PO, which is an annoying, like, you know, Siri Google assistant? <laughs> I think it's up to each, each yeah. party. Um, I've been really creative with droids. So that's why I really enjoy playing them. Mm-hmm. I've played everything from a crazy droid that thinks he's Palpatine's next apprentice to the annoying little kid, basically that's now in a droid running around just annoying the party. So I have fun with them. I think players should have that option if they want to have fun playing one. I do think it's nice though to have one, like you said, as an NPC to help the party, especially as a mechanic. I mean, 
not everybody enjoys playing a mechanic. Mm -hmm. So you just give them one to have them fix the ship for you. Yeah. A lot of times I think if we're talking about a party in a game, the droid can kind of fill the, the mechanical gap or the skill gap that mm -hmm. players aren't bringing to the table by choice or by accident. So the, the droid kind of becomes the GM's, well, I don't want the ship to fall apart, but no one decided to take a pilot skill or a mechanical skill or a repair skill. So I'll just make sure the droid can do it. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah. it's a way to keep the game going when uh, the party might not be exactly capable of keeping the game mm -hmm. going. I also think it's really funny in how a lot of Star Wars, it, we've got this weird like cultural debate about oppressing droids and how we treat droids. Yeah, And that's just a fun topic to have in a game. It is because even if a droid becomes super useful to the party, NPCs are still going to treat them like a droid. Yeah. They're not going to respect them the same way they do a, a non-droid biological. And that's part of Star Wars, you know, and, you know, spoilers, we throw that a lot in Redemption because I have actually now two droids that I play and that's a big part of their personalities is people are often kind of shooing them away when they shouldn't. And the rest of the group pull them back and be like, oh, no, no, no. You want to talk to D4. He's the he's the, the medic. Like you're bleeding. You want him to fix you type thing. And I think that's kind of a neat aspect to throw into the game too. But there is that balance, like you said, Caleb, of where is it oppression and where is it just feeling like Star Wars versus real world social dilemmas versus just playing a role playing game and having fun. Yeah. I don't have a good answer for that, to be honest with you, other than it's your game. Have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every, everyone can bring their own level of comfort with that to the table. Like we usually want to play role playing games for some level of, of escapism mm -hmm. and enjoyment. Uh, sometimes we do have to dig into real world situations, but we don't always want to live in that real world situation, but sometimes people do. And if that's how you want to run your game, that's how you run your run game, have fun with it. But right. don't, yeah, if everyone's having fun, probably doing it right. Probably doing it right. Yeah. yeah. Someone uh, said that once. Someone time. So yeah. for my wild card, originally I was going to say D 12s cause they are the best die. So obviously D 12s are going to be a part of my game, but I'm actually going to steal the droid answer and just say that my game wild card would be every party gets a droid. So if no one selects one, if someone wants to play a droid, I'll let them. But if, if not, then it's just assumed that every, every party has a droid and it's a, something they can spend resources in like out, almost like downtime, how much, how many points are into your droid and it gives them things they can do. So the more resources you spend on it, the more helpful it will be in all these various situations like hacking, medical, flying, navigation, whatever. So it's just like a, like a thing that you can just put points. Like I leveled up. So half my points will go into this and two of my points will go into that. And if everyone does that, they'll, the droid will keep getting better. So there it is. We have created four amazing Star Wars games. Kinda. Uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot more work to it than that, I can assure you, because I've been trying to design my own game, and it's really hard. Uh, but final <laughs> words. So we'll go around. I'll do the wrap-up. So, Chris, anything else you'd want to say here? Just anything at all about uh, Star Wars games? It can be about your redemption. It can be about what you like about them. It doesn't have to be about what we've talked about already. But any final words before we wrap up? Uh, I really, I mean, obviously I said I, Star Wars has been a big influence in my life, but I also really love playing in Star Wars because 
a big advantage is you can really play any kind of game you want because there's so many planets you can go to and just have fun with it. So go listen to Redemption. It'll help that make too. you a better Star Wars player or GM. Uh, Caleb, any final words? You're muted. I love Star Wars so oh, much. Oh, there you go. I'm sorry. You, you know, if it was me or you or somebody, I only heard like half of that, so please. Oh, sorry. Uh, good, because I didn't have really have anything of value to say, so <laughs> you didn't miss anything. Um, I think Star Wars is a really fun setting to tell stories in because even though it sets up the tenets of space and space wizards and crazy aliens and crazy planets, it still lets you tell any story you want. And I, I think the, the setting kind of lends itself to making some of these stories easier to tell and more fun to tell. Like, do you want to tell a, a story about what it means to like fight for your survival in a corporate world? Sure. But do you want to do that with giant space aliens and living trees and laser swords? That's better. Now it's just more fun. Mm-hmm. So I, I, while Star Wars is on one level, just a fun, entertaining story that we've known since forever, I think we shouldn't write it off as like, oh, it's just that sci-fi story. Like there's a lot of stories to be told in the star Wars universe that have nothing to do with the star Wars movies and books. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it a fun setting and a fun world to keep going back to. And that's why we keep having these conversations. That's why these games exist. That's why we're sitting here talking. Star Wars isn't going anywhere. And that's, that's cool. Yep. All right, Brad. Following up with that, the only thing I can say is may the force be with you. Always. Yes. May the odds ever be. No, that's Roman. Uh, yeah, and but also thank you. with you. No, that's yeah. Roman. <laughs> also with you, yeah. Uh, thank you, gents, so much for joining me. I had a blast talking about this. I think it's, again, I love the idea that this just sort of came up in our Discord, even though, it, again, the reason why we started talking about it doesn't matter anymore. But this is the kind of stuff that that I like to do. Uh, so I will use this as a commercial for the Discord. Join our Discord, because this is the kind of nerdy shit we talk about on there. I mean, it's it's a pretty small community still. There's not that much going on. It's easy to mute and ignore the stuff you don't care about. Uh, but there's a lot of fun conversations that go on there. It is easily by far my number one place to hang out and chat with people. I just, everybody that's on there, I love. I love interacting with people. And so, you know, some days it's a lot about food. Some days it's about memes. Some days it's about new stuff and people dropping, you know, YouTube clips of trailers in there. Uh, but it's a ton of fun, so please consider joining the Discord and hanging out with us. Uh, it's by invite only, but I'll invite you if you ask. I just don't want to make it public because when we first went public, a bunch of jerks jumped in, and it wasn't fun, so we fixed that. Uh, so just hit, hit me up on email, therpgacademy at gmail.com, or on Facebook or on Twitter. Let me know you'd like a Discord invite, and I'll send it right away. And then you can hang out and do this kind of stuff with us. So thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for listening. Please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. Uh, and hopefully I'll see you in the discord until next time. Cue the star Wars theme. Dun, 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 dun. That's, that's the wild card. John Williams scores everybody's game. All right. <laughs> Instantly make your games better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. 
All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.